Can someone tell me who uh, was the character known as Spock? Leonard Nimoy. Uh huh. And what was Spock? You're gonna have to speak up a little louder because some people don't know. Uh, who? What was Spock known for? Who was he? He was a Vulcan. All right. And and uh, did did what did he? What was he? What did he do? What was that? He had big ears. <laughs> yeah. He was a he was a science officer. You guys who are monitoring the camera, I'm going to beg forgiveness now, but i got to come down where the people are. All right, did he have a special saying? And, and when he said, live long and prosper, what would he do? All you Trekkies, that's right. Live long and prosper, right? Uh, hmm. Colonel Saunders, who was he? The chicken fella, right? As a matter of fact, more specifically, what? Kentucky Fried Chicken. So much so that every time we go past KFC and we get a whiff of that, uh, um, yeah, 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 give me some right now, right? Uh, hmm, hmm. Oh, here's one. This is going to go way back. Who was Alf? Okay, I hear, okay, I hear alien life form. That was what his name stood for, right? Uh, now, some of you younger folks, you probably just know the, that ugly character with the long snout. What was Alf known for, though? Eating cats. I'm sorry, but the whole episode would be Alf trying to figure out a way how to eat somebody's cat. Some of you are looking at me like, what on earth is he talking about? Before I pray, I want to ask you this question. What will you be known for? How will people know you? How will people know us, the church? Father in heaven, as we come before you, we ask for grace. God, we in the whirlwind of this morning alone have had so many distractions. And I say we corporately. Forgot to put gas in the car. Forgot to turn the stove off and had to go back and turn it off. Uh, didn't get to eye and the electricity was off. All the different distractions, dear God. We ask, dear God, that even now you would settle our hearts. Settle my heart, oh God, as we take these few brief moments to delve into your word. And may we be able to leave here this morning challenged to live better lives. Lives that would be pleasing to you. Father, take now the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts and make them acceptable to you and you alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would, turn with me in your Bibles to Daniel. Uh, best way to find it, uh, split your Bible right in half. You'll probably run into Psalms and Proverbs and start turning to the right or to the left. Uh, but it's, it's, it's on your right-hand side. Uh, You'll have uh, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Songs of Solomon, and then you get those big boys, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, and right after Ezekiel, slow down. You'll come to Daniel, okay? And Daniel chapter 1, uh, the, the question we want to answer or ask is, um, well, how do we live? 
a few Sundays back, Pastor Rob challenged us from uh, the book of James. And in chapter 4, uh, James challenges us to not be friends of the world, but be friends of God. And uh, this morning, we're going to take a look at these four Hebrew boys uh, <clears throat> whose original names, believe it or not, uh, were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. You know them more as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But if you turn with me to Daniel chapter 1, and as I, I want to leave a thought with you. And, and, and the thought is simply this. Satan, Satan wants to do his endeavor best to get us to conform to the things of this world. I want you to take a look at Daniel chapter 1. Let's read through the first couple of verses. And uh, if you would put on your binoculars, and uh, let's see if we can observe the passage. Let's see what we, the text tells us about these, uh, these men. Verse 1 says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Israel was being bad. That's putting it mildly. God sends judgment through Nebuchadnezzar and the boys. Verse 2, the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. At hand there is Nebuchadnezzar, along with some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasury of his God. Verse 3, then the king ordered Ashpenaz the chief of his officials, to bring in some of the sons of Israel, including some of the royal family and of the nobles, youths in whom was no defect, who were good-looking, showing intelligence in every branch of wisdom, endowed with understanding and discerning knowledge, and who had ability for serving in the king's court. And he ordered them to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. The king appointed for them a daily ration from the king's choice food and from the wine which he drank. And he appointed that they should be educated three years and at the end of which they were to enter the king's personal service. Now among them from the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Then the commander of the officials assigned new names to them. And to Daniel, he assigned the name Belteshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego. Let's stop there for a minute. Let's, let's slow down a little bit more, if you would. And let's see how the text describes these young boys. But before we uh, look at the description of these young men, picture, if you would, you got to put yourself in the shoes, in the sandals of these people as these events occur. So uh, let me switch gears a little. The Bahamas is taken over. Someone comes in and, and conquers the Bahamas. They drop bombs. They take over the government. Uh, uh, everything. Everything's changed. And what they do is they grab uh, people. Tell me what happens in verse 3. What does this Nebuchadnezzar do? What does he what, is, what, is, what does he do? What is he doing? What is he looking for? 
You, you can't be shy. It's Sunday morning. Y'all were jumping and hooting and hollering all last night at the slam dunk contest. Well, okay, but the three-point contest. And uh, so talk to me. Look at verse 3. It says, the king ordered Ashpenaz, the chief of the officials, to bring who? Some of the sons of Israel, including who? Some of the royal family and the nobility, okay? Verse 4 starts out how? Youth. My sister says they were skillful. Uh huh. All right, it says youth in whom was <laughs> Pastor Nicholas said they were good looking. Does the text say that? Yes, it does. It says youth in whom was no defect, who were good looking. Anything else? Yes, yes, yes. Showing intelligence in every branch that were teachable. My sister here says, they were able to stand in the king's presence. What else does the text say? That's good. They were discerning. They were, under, they were endowed with understanding. They were discerning of knowledge. As a matter of fact, the king was so impressed with these guys, they were now going to learn the literature and the language of the Chaldeans. Okay, so... So again, put yourself in these folks' shoes. So here it is. They're away from home. No mama, no papa. Uh, these are Jewish boys who would have been raised up and taught in the way of the Lord. Uh, 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 they would have known the commandments, certainly. Uh, they would have known uh, what it was to offer sacrifices to God. They would have known the laws, the precepts, the statutes, the commandments of the Lord. They would have known all of this stuff, right? Thou shalt not commit uh, murder. Thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. They would have known all of that stuff, wouldn't they? And by all appearances, it seems as if they would have been doing that, especially being of the nobility and of the royal family. They would have been raised up in that way of thinking. Stay with me for a minute. Where are they now? In captivity. So you would think that while they're in captivity, come on, think, think like, no, I was going to say think like me, but that's kind of, well, what would you do in captivity? Be upset, yeah. What else? What's that? I'd be a slave. I'd want to conform. I mean, besides, when in Rome, do as the... Right? Uh, so, I don't have any Jewish girls to look at, so... Hey, there goes a Babylonian one. One would think that all bats are off the table, wouldn't you? They're in captivity. They don't have any other option. Let me fast forward a sec. No, oh, no, no. Let, let me just stick to the text. Okay, so, 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 so. They're in captivity. They don't have the restrictions that they typically would have. Mama ain't there. Daddy ain't there. The law. 
Look at verse 5. So what does the king do? He's selected these men. He now appoints for them a daily ration of the king's choicest food. Anything else? And the wine which the king drank. So they're in captivity. Life seems to be going good at this point. Now they get to eat the food from where? The king's table. They get to drink the wine from where? King's table. This has been, they've been handpicked by the king. <laughs> they've, they've now been given the king's food and the king's drink. Life, should, life is looking good at this point, isn't it? Now they get free education for the next three years, according to the text. The king appointed that they should be educated for three years, and at the end of which they were to enter the king's personal service. It would be absolutely understandable that these Hebrew boys, these Hebrew young men would say, you know what? Fellas, this is a new way of life. As a matter of fact, I remember uh, my first night uh, in a college that I will, will remain, that will remain unnamed, in a state that will remain unnamed. And I'll never forget the first night walking into the dorm. And as we opened the dorm, the door to the dorms, uh, the roaches on the floor just scattered when we turned the light on. Everyone took for cover. Who wasn't diving in the beds, were diving in the sink, and it was just awful. And uh, <clears throat> it was a few of us Bahamians who went up. And I'll never forget all of us going into the door, and it was almost as if it was a sitcom. All of us backed out of the door at the same time, and we all looked at each other in the hall, and we were like, what did we get ourselves into? And some smarty in the group said, fellas, we're going to have to suck it up. We're going to have to band together, and we'll get through this. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel find themselves in a similar situation, but only in this case, they didn't have to deal with roaches. These fellas are in posh. So what we did was we went out and got ourselves a can of Bagon. That's when they used to still sell Bagon. And besides, only Bagon would work. These guys now are faced with a different challenge. Verse 8 says, but, but Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile himself with the king's choice food or wine or with the wine which he drank. So he sought permission from the command of the officials that he might not defile himself. As a matter of fact, one translation puts it, uh, Daniel purposed in his heart to not defile himself for the king's table. If any of us have spent any amount of time in Sunday school, we've read this passage over and over and over again. We've read it repeatedly. But one must ask the question, what does this have to do with me? What does this have to do with us? How does this apply in my marriage? How does this apply with me in high school? How does this apply with me in 
primary school? How does this apply with me and my community? How does this apply with me and my family? How does this, what do I do with this? Remember the question I asked earlier? What will you be known for? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego purpose in their heart that they would not defile themselves, that they would not stain themselves with the king's, from the king's table. At the king's table, there was probably meat sacrificed to animals. At the king's table, there probably would have been much stronger drink than they would have been familiar with back home in Jerusalem. In any event, they purposed in their heart. They said, no, I'm not going to do it. As a matter of fact, the wisdom God gives Daniel, look at what Daniel does in verse 8. He says, so he sought permission from the commander of the officials that he might not defile himself. Look at what he does. Verse 9, now God granted Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the commander of the officials. And the commander of the officials said to Daniel, man, listen, I scared with the king who has appointed your food and drink. For why should he see your faces looking more haggard than the youths who are your own age? Then you would make me forfeit by head for the king. This king appointed official says, man, you're trying to get me killed. If, 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 if you start to look more haggard than the other fellas, Daniel said to the overseer, whom the commander of the officials had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days and let us be given some vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearances be observed in your presence and the appearance of the youths who are eating the king's choicest food and deal with your servants according to what you see. We'll stop there. But here's what Daniel says. Listen, Mr. King appointed overseer, we can't eat this. Why? It's good food. It's good wine. Yeah, I know. But see, there are some precepts. There are some statutes, some commandments, some laws that have been entrenched in me from when I was wee young that would totally go against what you're asking me to do. Young people can ask you something. You say, well, mommy don't understand me and daddy don't understand me. And, you know, they, they have these old-fashioned traditional ways of raising children. Don't raise your hand. Just, I was there. And you say, but the new way of doing things is so much better, so much more efficient and, and, and so much more fun. Marriages, uh, the, the old school way of doing marriages was, 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 was a woman knew her place and a man knew her place. This is, this is the, no, the man knew his place. Sorry. This is 2017. Marriages work differently. The way we raise children today is different than way the way y'all used to raise children back then when, when was then. But do God, does God's rule, does God's ordinances, do they change? They should not. It, 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had every opportunity and had every excuse in the world to say, you know what, fellas, dig in. Let's party. Man, we didn't have this kind of food back. We, we have pork chops. We, we used to have corned beef. No, we got pork chops. And these are good pork chops. Listen. Okay, let me cut through the chase. Stay with me. The world is trying to get us to conform. Is it not? And what are the ways the world is trying to get us to conform? In what areas? Talk to me. Marriage. Children. Money. How you look. Sexuality. The question is, how is the world trying to get us to conform? In what areas? These are good. Give me some more. Tolerance of everything. No more moral absolutes. What else? Women's rights. I know it's early. Come on, but talk to me. And what do we do with it? How, how do these things line up with what God's word teaches? Does God's word teach that women have rights? They sure do. As a matter of fact, if you read God's word accurately, it seems as if the women have most of the rights. But that's a different story for a different day. Does God's word teach us about marriage? Does God's word teach me how to raise children? Even if those ways are old-fashioned? Does God's word tell me how to deal with social media? As Pastor Nick shared this morning on, 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 on Echoes of Calvary. Does God's word teach me how to deal with social media? They got quiet on me. Would God's word govern what I put out on social media? Would God's word govern what I say on the telephone to my friend? Would God's word govern what I watch on television? Oh, y'all just saying yes. Those are great Sunday school answers, aren't they? But see, this is where the rubber meets the road. Okay, fellas, when I'm on the internet, does God, would God's word govern where I go, what I view, how long I stay? We say we heard yes, and it should, okay? Yes, it should. It should govern everything. Now, wait a minute. You say, well, Brother Rutherford, we're in captivity. Well, no, not really. And we don't have it as bad as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. No, not really. But guess what? These boys decided that they would purpose in their heart not to defile themselves with the king's table just like you and I are going to have to purpose in our hearts not to divide, defile ourselves with the things of the world. As a matter of fact, our scripture tells us in Romans uh, uh, chapter 12, it says, be not conformed to this world, but be what? Transformed by the renewing of our minds. So, so, so the, the, the application is still for us. As a matter of fact, it is so much easier to conform today, isn't it? 
I see heads bobbing up and down. It is so much easier to conform today. Young people, I am, I hate to say it like this, but I am so glad I am not having to grow up in your time, in your generation. Because the distractions and the pressure to conform are so much greater. Back in the day, my grandparents would let us roam all over Fox Hill. No real concern about where we would go or who we would run into. Because you know what? Someone was going to see them Johnson boys behaving badly. And before we get home, mama was going to find out about it anyway. And that was just more trouble. But those lines have been obliterated today. We've become more insular. We, we, we aren't as friendly. And so, so, so the younger people have had to band together in a different way. And so uh, the social media, the Facebook, and um, the, the Twitter, and did I say it right? You know what I mean. And, and all of these things now become a part of our day. And they're the things that kind of squeeze us. I'll never forget we were in the U.S. Uh, one of the children was asked, well, who's your boyfriend? And Mona Lisa and I looked at the person in horror. The child's only five. Why are you asking them about their boyfriend? We ask children today, so what do you want to do when you get out of school? Be a doctor? <laughs> I asked Jasmine the other day, I said, Jasmine, so, 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 so the fellow you're looking at, is he a pastor? <laughs> we, we put pressure on people inadvertently, don't we? And listen to what Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. They said they would not allow themselves to be defiled by the king's table. Listen to me. It doesn't take long for us to stop and think for a minute all the things around us that would cause us to become defiled. You have to purpose in your heart. You have to set that standard right now while things are good, while the pressure's not there to say, hey, I'm going to live godly in Christ. I'm going to be different. As a matter of fact, listen to what Ezra 7.10 says. Ezra chapter 7 verse 10 says, And Ezra set his heart to study God's word, to practice God's word, then to teach it to others. Psalm, listen to Psalm, uh, Psalm 119 verse 106. I think that's it. Psalm 119 verse 106. Here's what it says. It says, uh, <laughs> I have sworn, the writer says, and I will confirm it that I will keep your righteous ordinances. I, 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 make, I, make no, I make no apologies for this, but I'll never forget as a young teen being challenged by God's word to keep myself pure till marriage. We laugh at that today though. Kids in my class would, would walk around and say, they would, they would, I thought they were hailing me, but they were making fun of me. They called me the big V, the big virgin. Hey, Pat! But you know what? I had said in my heart, I had purpose in my heart that I was going to keep myself pure till marriage. And by the grace of God, we did just that, both Mona Lisa and I. But it's taboo even to talk about it in church. Today, 
I didn't mean to go there. But I have purpose in my heart to keep God's ordinances. Thy word have I treasured where? In my heart, why? If you're going to be a person, a young man, a young woman, an older man, an older woman, who's going to subscribe to that of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and good old Daniel. If you're going to be a person who's going to subscribe to that way of living, let me tell you something. It starts with you and I making certain we're hearing God's word. We cannot fight this fight if we don't have God's word pressed. Uh, giving me the, the, the teaching and the education and the oomph that I need to, 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 to live. Let your conversation be always full of grace, Scripture says, seasoned with salt so that we know how to answer everyone. So when they come up to you and you say, hey, Patrick, with your fat nose. Human nature says to what? Fight back. That's your grandma. But if I've treasured God's word in my heart, what? What will I do? What will I say? Hey, Patrick, with your big nose, what, what will I say? <laughs> but it says, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you know how to answer. My wife and I have been Blessed with being married for almost 23 years. And there are times, once in a while, not much. Every once in a while, I say something stupid. Every once in a while. Oh, you know what I'm talking about. Every once in a while, I'll say something stupid. I can't tell you how many times I've thanked God Almighty that Mona Lisa has the spirit of the living God living in her. Because the thing she could say to me as a result of the stupid thing I said. And look at all the women. All the women in the back are saying, yeah, yeah, preacher, brother. <laughs> but it's also the reverse, isn't it? How do we live? How do we live in such a way that, 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 that we will be known for not defiling ourselves with the things of the world. How will you and I be known? How will Errol be known? How will Mark be known? How will Nicholas be known? How will Peter be known? How will you be known down the road? As a man and a woman who lived, who pursued, who lived after God's own heart, or will you just be one of the nominal Christians that the people talk so disdainfully about today and they say, well, if she's a Christian, then surely I can get into heaven too. Will we be known as men and women who sought after God's heart? Will we be known as men and women who did not defile ourselves from the king's table? Yes, we live in a period of grace, I know. And what's lawful, all things are lawful to me. I know, yeah, I know that. But see... God's calling us to live at a higher level. As a matter of fact, in Thessalonians, Paul says to the church, he says, I pray that you would excel still more. Sometimes you have to tell people, you have to give people a piece of your mind. But wouldn't it be neat if you told that person a piece of your mind in love? And how do you do that? Scripture says that Daniel had understanding and he had discerning of knowledge. 
So it is possible, but it is impossible as long as I keep this closed. <laughs> How do you have your conversation full of grace? I don't know. It may teach me. How do I keep pure thoughts? <laughs> the psalmist says, according to God's word. How do I love my wife? How do I rear our children? How do I go about in the market of today? How do I? How do I? There is nothing more Satan wants than to get us to conform to this world. Every one of us, every one of us will face this opposition. Every blessed one of us. Would you be men and women who say, uh-uh, I'm not going to stain myself. I have purpose in my heart that I'm going to live in such a way that God gets all the honor, that God gets all the glory. With my teachers, with my friends, with my parents, with my grandparents, in my neighborhood, at church, with my Sunday school teachers, with my buddies, with people who don't like me, I am going to live in such a way that God gets all the glory. Bow with me if you would. Father, I feel like I'm still on a racetrack going 20 miles a second. I pray, oh God, that the short challenge that we've had in your word would have been such, oh God, that you would take, take your word and sink it deep into the good soil of our hearts, cause it to grow. Father, may we all leave here with that resolve to not conform to the things of this world. Dear God, as a matter of fact, if we do any conforming, dear God, may it be conforming to the image of your son, Jesus, an example that you left. Oh God, perhaps we wish there were more time for us to delve into this matter. Nevertheless, oh God, it's your word, and you said that it will not return void before it accomplishes that which you set it out to do. So we entrust it to you as you've entrusted your word to us, and we thank you and we praise you. Now get glory for yourself. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.